You know what? It's so amazing about relationships because relationships were God's idea. And all throughout the Bible, really the big emphasis in all of Scripture is based on relationship. I mean, when you look at Scripture and our relationship with Jesus, everything in essence of the Old Testament and the New Testament all revolves around a relationship, humanity with God. But then God creates us and he creates humanity, but he created us to have relationships with one another. He created us so that we depend on the relationships. In fact, here's what God knows. God knows that the quality of your life depends on the quality of your relationships. I mean, God understands this, that he designed us not to be loners. Come on, somebody. He designed us to engage with one another and enjoy and embrace one another. But here's what we understand. God designed us to be in healthy relationships. So we have an enemy, watch this, who wants to destroy everything good that God created. So what the enemy wants to do, his main priority and goal when he gets up every morning, the enemy wants to destroy your intimacy with God and your relationship with meaningful people. That is why those two relationships are always under attack. Man, relationships are great, but how many times do we see marriages fall apart, relationships fall apart, friendships fall apart? The reason why we see that is because we want to be in relationship, but we have an obstacle and we have an enemy who wants to destroy your intimacy with God and relationship with meaningful people. That is why here at Brave Church, we are not a church that has small groups or dinner parties. We are a church of dinner parties. Everything that we do is to help you get into a small group, whether it's a dinner party or a brave life small group, because we understand that your relationship with God is the most quality aspect of your life, and your relationship with other people as you grow in your faith is going to determine the quality of your life. Now, we say that and we know that, but are we willing to acknowledge that and embrace that as a reality in our life? Because when we are willing to embrace that as our reality, that we have an enemy that wants us to hate God, feel like God doesn't care, and that he wants to destroy meaningful relationships in our life, then we have a strategy and a game plan to beat the devil at his own game. Come on, are you with me? Say, I'm with you. Come on, I'm going to unpack this. I'm going to try to teach it and not preach it because there's so much content I want to get to you. But here's what I want you to understand today. God designed us for relationship. Now, this first verse that we read in 1 Corinthians, if you would put it back up again on the screen, it's simply saying this, that we can have words, but if we have words without love, our words are pointless. In fact, he goes on to say that if we can have like, you know, great eloquent words that we speak with our tongue, but, but we don't have love, it's just annoying. It's like a drum set without the rest of the band. Now, I don't know if you think this way, but I'm a drummer. I play drums even professionally, but here's what I know. A drum set by itself is, is out of context with the rest of the rhythm and without the rest of the band. It doesn't really make sense. In fact, a drum set, if you want to get back at someone that you do not like and they have children, buy their kids a drum set for Christmas. Uh, you can go to bed at night knowing, ha, 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 They're probably playing the drums right now, driving them nuts. Ha, payback. But the drums without music, just the cymbals without music, it's, it's annoying. It's, it's harsh to the ears. You know what scripture is saying is this, that if you just speak and you think that words are just uh, by themselves communication, your words without love become annoying. Can I say this? Even when it comes to Christianity, if you profess to be a Christian, but you don't really love God, if you say that you're a Christian and you really don't love people, guess what? Our words will become harsh to the people that hear it. Because 
Religion without love is just religion. Relationship without love turns into religion. Christianity without love turns into legalism and religion. That's why Jesus says, I haven't come here to give you a, a religion and a Christianity so that you can follow a bunch of rules, but Jesus says, I've come here to have relationship with you because Jesus loves you. Come on, Jesus died for you, he cares for you. But he's so much more than rules. And man, he's relationship. But listen, we as a church, we have to understand, we have a message and we use words to preach the message. But our message without love will not affect and change our world. Religion without love is hate. Religion without love for humanity, the world will look at it and say, what's wrong with those people? Somebody shut them up. We hate the church. But when you really love God and you have a fresh fire in your heart toward God, all of a sudden, how many of you know we have something fresh to give the world? Come on. How many of you know the world will want what God has and what God's doing in our life? Somebody needs to give God a better shout of praise than that. Come on. I'm so thankful that we have a message man, you could share with your co-workers what God's doing in your life and they will see the love in your heart and it's not a religious statement but they will see how much you love God and love them and they will be compelled to listen. But scripture says this, that it's got to be more than words. And when it comes to our relationship with people and how we care about them, it's got to be so much more than words. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? There is a difference between words and communication. So when we're talking about communication and relationship, I'm not just saying words. Don't just use words, but there is a difference in words and communication. Communication is more than words. You can be in a car with someone, and they can be talking, but if you're not really tuned in, are you really communicating? Have you ever been in an environment where, like you're talking to someone, and you could tell that like you're talking and you're using words, but they aren't even paying attention to what you're saying? Like, it's so crazy, like, in, <laughs> it's so crazy. Like, they have memes for this, like, in, like, pastors, like, circles where pastors meet. Like, like, pastors are infamous for this, like, when they're talking to each other. They're like, you're talking to another pastor the whole time, looking over their shoulder to see, like, who's in the room. You know what I mean? It's like, you can be in a room with someone and be talking and them not be even being tuned into you. Can I tell you, that's not communication. And at that point, all of a sudden, the words that you're using begin to turn you off from that person. And here's the reason why. The art of true communication boils down to this one word. Come on, this is going to blow your mind. Are you ready? It comes down to this one word. If we want to grow in our effectiveness as communicators in our relationships, it comes down to this word, authenticity. True communication happens when we're willing to be authentic with one another. What is authenticity? Authenticity is what makes all relationships work. Authenticity is when we say, I'm not just going to bring you my words, but I'm going to bring you my heart. Authenticity is when you say, I desire to really know who you are, and I want you to know who I am. Wouldn't you agree that we live in a society where it is hard to be authentic and really get to know other people? And so authenticity is a lost art form in our culture. You see, authenticity is what makes our relationships with each other work, but it's also what makes Christianity work. It's also what makes our relationship with God work because Words without the context of love, without us being authentic with one another, words alone turn people off. 
but it's when we're willing to open up our heart to people and say, hey, here's who I really am. You see the difference in me talking with you today and just filling this room with my sound and being effective as a communicator. I will not be effective to communicate to you if I don't really love God. Like if I'm up here and I really don't love God, then I'm not gonna be effective. If I'm up here and I really don't love you and what God is doing here at Brave Church, I'm not gonna be effective. But when I'm willing to be authentic with you and share out of my struggle and share out of my weakness and share out of my strength and share out of my life, when I'm willing to put down my walls and let you see who David Stalker Jr. really is as your pastor, all of a sudden the effectiveness of communication begins to grow. Because when I put my walls down, you put your walls down. As I put my walls down, you put yours down. And as I put mine down, God says, oh, now we can have hearts that are ready to be known, not just by each other, but by God. You see, we cannot separate relationship with each other in our relationship with God. The same way that we get to know God is the same way we get to know each other. How many of you know you cannot fake God out? He really knows who you really are. And that is good and also bad. That is really good. But that can be really embarrassing too. But God really knows who you really are. I'm not talking about the, the Instagram you. He knows you. I'm not talking about the person you personify and the person you portray to be. God really knows who you are. And guess what? He still loves you and is crazy about you. Oh, that's what gets me so excited about God. Is that God, you know my heart. You know who I am when I take the mask off. And yet you still love me. You would still die for me. You're still crazy about me. You still have purpose for me. And can I tell you, that kind of authenticity is what we need in relationships with each other if they will grow and succeed. So if God designed relationships and he's for relationships and he's excited about relationships, why do relationships so often, I'm talking about marriages, any friendships, breaking up. I mean, we, on Instagram, it's like we unfriend people. On Instagram. Like, I'm so mad at you, I'm not going to talk to you. Boop. And some people get more mad about that than if they were to walk up to you and knock you out. You're like, how dare you unfollow me? You be a man. Hit me in the face. What? <laughs> I mean, it's so crazy. I put up on my social media this like, this like poll, and it was probably like the, the hottest topic issue I've ever had. It was simply this. Should you be offended when someone unfollows you on Instagram or social media? You would not believe. I've never had so much feedback in my life. I think y'all about crashed Instagram. But because here's the thing is that in our culture and society, watch this, I'm not against it, I'm on every social media platform there is, but here's what I know, we have reduced our relationships to a digital platform. Because now, the depth of our relationships, the authenticity of our relationships is based on what I see, and if I like what I see, I follow, if I don't, I unfriend. And now we don't even have to talk to someone to unfriend them. We can just with a click of our finger. Therefore, they never have a chance to communicate with you and you with them. It's simply, I don't feel like this is convenient any longer. And if we're not careful, we carry that into our real life relationships. 
where we walk away just as easily. So Pastor David, what is the solution to this? What, what do we need to do? I love 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. It's a great scripture. In fact, I think it's the most powerful relationship scripture in the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. When you have it, say, I've got it. When you can see it, say, I see it. Number 8 says this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Now remember that God is relational. God says this, if you want to accomplish anything in your life, do these four words. Are you ready? God's relational. If you want to do anything in your life, accomplish anything, you might want to write these down. It's that profound. If you want to accomplish anything in your life, do these four things. Love God, love others. The whole New Testament is summed up in those four words. Love God and love other people. God is a relational God. So this verse clearly deals with our relationships. So what is that verse saying? I'm going to give you three truths, three tools, three things that you can use in your life for authentic communication that if you will begin doing these three things today, relationships will start turning today. Come on, does that sound good to anybody here today? Come on, you ready? Is anybody here ready to take your relationships healthier, higher, stronger? Come on, anybody on the south side over here? Like, you're so excited. Number one, write this down. Come on. If we're going to have healthy relationships, then we cannot, number one, claim that we do not have sin. Like, you cannot claim that you don't have sin. Now, here's what's crazy. is like, you'd be like, Pastor David, there's no one who would actually say that they're perfect and without sin. Oh, yeah, we do it all the time in relationships. In relationships, here's how it looks. When you say, hey, if you would change, we would change. If you would change the way you behave or the way you act, then we wouldn't be going through this. The problem is with you. The problem's not me. I'm not the problem. You're the problem. Come on, anybody ever heard that before? Come on. If you're sitting next to the person you said that to, don't look at them right now. Come on. But, but, but here's, here's why we do that. Because in relationships, it is easy to put our walls up and to blame the other person. We do the blame game with other people. And... And it's simply because of this one word. Would you write this word down? It's because of pride. Because of pride. And let me just in why we are not more authentic in our communication is because of pride. And let me just say this. The greatest killer of all communication, the greatest killer of relationships, the greatest killer of marriages, the greatest killer of relationships between brothers and sisters and parents and children is this word called pride. If you want to kill the relationship you're in, let pride grow. If you want to kill the joy in your marriage, let pride grow. Come on. If you're dating today, come on. Before you get married, understand this. Pride is seeking to destroy your relationships. So how do we go against pride? Write this down in your notes. This is so good. Oh, my goodness. This is so good. And I'm preaching good. I know. Here's this, here's this thought. We have to do this. We have to renounce pride and embrace humility. Ooh. Ooh. Preach that again, Pastor David. You have to renounce pride and embrace humility. What is humility? Man, in our culture today, you're going to have to be intentional with humility. Now, humility, you have to be careful because there's this other thing called false humility. 
and false humility is where you really think that you're all that in a bag of chips, and you're like, oh, no, I mean, no, I'm just, no, I'm not. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, come on. I mean, tell me, but no, 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 I mean, no. And then, and then, and then sometimes people will be like, man, I'm just, I'm just so horrible. I'm trash. I'm a piece of garbage. Man, I'm just nothing, and I'm so sorry. I keep blowing it. I'm just trash. And that's not humility either because what you're wanting is you're wanting them to tell you, oh, no, no, you're great. You're awesome. You're amazing. And it's a victim mentality that really what you want is attention. You know what humility is? Come on. It's, man, this is helping some people. I know it. You know what humility is? Humility is simply this. It's where we can say I'm less than perfect. I'm self-aware. And I'm growing in my strength. But also I'm growing in my knowledge of my weaknesses. Can I say that again? That's worth it for some note takers who you want to grow. That's worth it for some people that there's relationships that are going sideways and you're like, man, I can't have this relationship end. Not like this. Come on. Humility is when you say, I know I'm less than perfect and I'm becoming self-aware and I'm growing. Someone say growing in my understanding of my strength, but also my weakness. Whether you're 14, 40, or 84 here today, can I tell you, man, we have to get to the place where we say, I know that the way I'm behaving may not be helping my friendships. The things that I'm saying, the things that I'm doing may be creating a death in them and hurt in them and not life in them. Humility is saying simply this, I know I am part of the problem. There's not a lot of preach back today. But, but here's, here's what I understand about humility. At the end of the day, it's a drag to be with you if you think there's nothing wrong with you. The thing with humility is, is that if you think that you're perfect, no one w- wants to hang out with you. The image of you feeling like you're, there's nothing wrong with you is a very lonely you. Because here's the thing, nobody expects you to be perfect. And so humility, what humility does, humility says, man, I know that I've got flaws. I know I've got issues that I'm working through. Come on, anybody have some issues that you're working through? Come on. If your hand's not up, that's the issue you need to work through. Come on. Like, I've got issues I'm working through. And let me tell you this. People will stick with other people who are flawed. People will stick with you even though you're flawed if you acknowledge, man, I know I have this issue, but I'm working it out. It's when we don't acknowledge our issues and we think that, man, you know what, it's you, it's not me, it's you, it's not me. As soon as pride enters a relationship, that relationship is not going to last very long. So what do we do with this? Well, here's what we do. We have to learn that when communication is tested at its highest, that we have to embrace humility at its strongest. So, So when do we have to really practice this? Can I tell you, it's not when things are going great. Do you know when you need to really practice humility? When there's tension in the relationship. You have to practice this when there's anxiety, when there's fear, when there's tension. How many of you know you don't have to practice this when you're on like the perfect date night? It's like the music is right, the food is right, the vibe is right, she's looking good, you're looking good. Like, uh, like you don't have to practice humility there. Like everything, like when you're going on vacation, everything is great. You just got that razor where like everything's great. You know when you need to practice this? When it feels like the wheels are falling off. And I want to humble myself and say, you know what? I am a part of the problem. James chapter one, verse nine, really gives us some practical tools for this. How do we work this out? James one, nine says, let everyone be quick to what? Listen and slow to, come on, quick to, 
Come on, we're going to do this to at least 80%. Quick to and slow to how our relationships would change if we would just practice this one verse. Come on, that instead of fighting someone when they are telling us, hey, man, this is what you do to hurt me. This is what you do to, to damage the relationship. Instead of us putting the pride wall up and immediately we're ready to defend ourselves, what if we just said this? We are going to be quick to listen and slow to speak. First, I want to understand, and then I'll let you understand me. There's a great quote that says this, hope in your relationships comes when you seek first to understand and then to be understood. Come on, start the journey of communication today, 12 o'clock. Come on, let's start this journey that I'm not going to start with pride, but I'm going to start with humility. You know, I've been a pastor, full-time pastor for 17 years now. And in 17 years, can I tell you, in every counseling session that I've been in with people, can I tell you, it's never one person's fault. This is going to be some good lunch talks today after church. I can feel it. Like, it's never just one person. Like, like it may be 50-50. It may be 70-30. Maybe 80-20. Some are like, Pastor, keep going. Keep going. It may be 90-10. Some of are still like, nah, nah, nah. Keep going. It may be 99-1. Y'all can't see what I see from up here, but it is amazing what is happening in the bleachers today. We need the healing of Jesus right now in this room. But even if they are 99% responsible for the breakdown in communication, you still got your 1%. And what pride will do, watch this, it will cause us to fight and break a relationship over our 1% because at least they did 99%. So why should I have to do anything? Number two, I need you to write this down because you have to understand if we're going to have healthier relationships, this verse in John says this, not only do we acknowledge that we have sin, but number two, we have to confess our sin. This is such an important part because there are some of us in this room, you're like, I know I'm angry. Like you acknowledge, number one, you're like, I know it. I know I'm bitter. I know I have unforgiveness. I know that I'm mean. I know that I'm a nag. <laughs> I know that I'm a control freak. I know, I know it, I know it, I know it. But here's number two, scripture says, are you willing to confess it? Like acknowledgement is not enough. Come on, y'all want to help here today or am I just, I'm preaching myself into a great thing, man. I mean, this is so good. Like, here's what I understand. Humility enables me to see it, but then confession enables me to deal with it. So how do I walk this out? I want to give you something practical. Two magical words that will heal a relationship. Are you ready? Two magical words. Write these down. I'm sorry. Isn't that so simple? So practical, yet so powerful. Do you know what I've come to find out with God and with other people? It's not the complex depths that really change things. It's the simple things that we just want to overlook. I'm sorry. When was the last time that you just gave a heartfelt, man, I blew it, and I'm sorry. Because you know what the reality is? No one expects you to be perfect. Maybe you expect that out of yourself, but no one else does. The last I checked, there was only one baby who was born 
with angels in a halo around his manger. And it was not you. Like, what if I told you that even Jesus expects you to understand that you sin at times? And he's not shocked by the fact that you blow it. That's why sometimes we're like, have a hard time identifying with God because when we sin, we want to run like Adam did. But when you understand the revelation of who God is, then you understand who you are. And you understand that God has an unconditional love for you and I. So God, I'm not going to be embarrassed or ashamed to come to you and say, God, I've got this issue. I'm still working it out. I'm not perfect, but I'm not going to run. Come on, I'm not going to quit on God. I'm not going to quit on church. I'm not going to quit on brave life. I know I'm broken. I've got issues. But God, I'm going to keep confessing it to you. Yeah. So I'm going to say I'm sorry. And those words will heal relationships with any relationship. Let me prove it to you. This past week, I was probably on seven different airplanes, seven or nine different, I've lost track. And man, we had some crazy things. We had crazy turbulence on one flight. On another one, they ran out of peanuts. <laughs> on another one, out of, they were out of Diet Coke, or they had Diet Coke, but it was flat. Come on, somebody. On another one, man, the flight attendants were just rude, angry. They were mean, man. They were mean. And then there was another one where a pilot, man, he got on the overcome, like the speaker, and he was like telling, I think it was his last day ever flying, and he's like, I'm going to get back at everybody on this plane. And like literally, he just like, he told every one of us off. Like we all got off the plane like this, oh God. And he was like standing there with his hat in his hand like, what you know it was just crazy and so our flight was a little bit delayed and so I wanted to see if we can get onto another flight and so I went to the customer service line and 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 as I said the customer service line um there was one person in front of me and they were at the at the lady and so I'm standing there you know they have like the the ropes there and I'm standing there in line and as, as we're there she's like looking and she's like typing and she's like um sir I'll be with you in a minute please please stand back 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 behind the line and I'm like Ma'am, there's no line. She's like, sir, don't be smart. <laughs> I had two guys that were traveling with me that are from Brave Church and um, my two kids. And I'm like looking over at them. I'm like, don't lose it now, man of God. <laughs> and um, I start going like this, like, ma'am, you don't understand. We didn't have peanuts and the Diet Coke was flat. Don't talk to me that way, you know? But I didn't, and so I'm standing there, and so, like, she just, and she's typing, she's, and she's, like, looking at me, like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, what? there's no, can I be authentic with you? For and I'm just going to be honest with you, because communication starts with authenticity. Can I be authentic with you for a minute? Can I be real? Like, I'm standing there, and I'm like, I've got these two guys from the church here, and my two children, don't lose it now, but they ran out of peanuts. And I looked at her, and I'm like, ma'am, you know what? Everybody, this is why you need to fly Delta Airlines. Everyone here needs to fly Delta Airlines because of this woman's attitude. And so I walk by, and the guys that are with me, they're like. And my kids, this is real. This just happened this week. My kids are like. I'm like, guys, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here quick. 
So we go and we're at the food court and I'm sitting there trying to enjoy my little personal individual Papa John's pizza with pepperoni and sausage on top. And I can't even enjoy my pizza because God is in my ear going, oh, did that make you feel better, man of God? And I'm like, God, it's not my fault. And God's like, yeah, you're a jerk. I'm like, no, no, she's a jerk. God, did you hear how she talked to me? She humiliated me in front of this whole airport. And God's like, yeah, good job, man of God. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm going to ignore God. I'm going to eat my pizza. And I just like, I'm talking with everyone. The whole time I'm eating my lunch. You see that little temper tantrum? That's what I'm doing with God. And I'm eating and God will not leave me. Come on, anybody ever tried to like argue with God? You're going to lose every time. Trust me, I did. So I'm there and I, I'm, I'm able to convince myself that I was okay because then I'm like, God, you don't understand this woman. I'm a man of God. There is an anointing on my life. That woman was probably demon-possessed, and it was a spiritual attack. She could sense the anointing on my life, and she was attacking me, and she was, and God's like, no, 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 no. That woman's fine. You're the jerk. So we finish our meal, and we get going, (laughs) We start walking. It was like an hour, hour and a half later. I don't know how long. And we're walking to our gate, and I look over my shoulder. And the whole time, like, God's just wrestling with me, just wrestling with me. The whole time. And we're walking, and as I look, there's the woman. We're passing her again. This time, she's typing. She's got her eyeglasses, like, down on her nose. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Flashbacks from the principal's office at school. Come on, where are my boys at that you know what I'm talking about? You've been there, too. No? Okay, thank you. All right, there you go. Affirmation is needed in this moment of authenticity. And, and she's there and she's typing and I can, man, we lock eyes. And I'm walking with my roller board and I look and she, we're like, we do one of these and she's typing and she's like. And I feel seriously in my heart that God's like, what are you going to do? And I knew I could not get on that airplane. In my mind, I'm like, I'll never see her again. She doesn't even know my name. Fine, God, I'll do it. So I told my kids and the two guys that were with me, I said, hey, guys, hey, y'all go ahead onto the gate, and I'll be right there. And they're like, what are you doing? No, 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 we're not leaving. I'm like, no. (laughs) Go. So I go over to the lady where she's at, and I walk up, and there's a person there, and I'm trying to wait, but I just can't. She's looking at the floor again for the line. I'm like, lady, we can't do this. Like, I've come with peace, not war in my heart. And I just said, excuse me, I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to say I'm so sorry for being a jerk. That was crazy that I did that. Love your airline. Love you. It's awesome. (laughs) What she did next was crazy. She takes her glasses off, and she literally does this. And then she says something pretty profound. She goes, I don't even remember you. (laughs) If I'm lying, I'm dying. One of the guys is on the camera over there. He knows it's the truth. It is in that moment where like the devil's over here and God is over here. And God's like, it's because I blocked it from her mind. She doesn't remember. 
And then over here, the devil's like, oh, she's at it again. She's saying, you're so forgettable. And I'm just like, I'm like, are you trying to get into it again? Like, where are we going with this? And I just said, well, I just want to let you know, I'm sorry. I was a jerk. And I went, so fast forward, we get on the plane, we fly home. Several hours later, I'm putting my daughter to bed and I'm tucking her in her bed and I kiss her on the forehead and pray with her and my son as they're going to bed like I do every night. And stood up after we prayed, in Jesus' name, amen. Stood up, I'm like, all right, guys, have a good night. See you in the morning. As I'm almost at the door, my daughter stops me. She's like, hey, dad. I'm like, hey, baby, what's up? She goes, hey, that was a cool thing you did at the airport today. And I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> I said, but you know what? I didn't want to do it. She's like, oh, dad, we all knew that. Like, that was definitely God. Here, here's why I tell you that. Because we have this tendency that when we think that we confess our sin and we're real and authentic, what if they don't stay with me when they see the real me? Can I tell you, people don't stick with you because they think that you're perfect. They already know you're not. People will stick with you when they know that you can acknowledge that you are part of the issue, part of the problem, and when you are willing to confess your humanity and your weakness and say, okay, I blew it. I dropped the ball. Because I'm going to be honest with you. In that moment, one of the fears in my heart is, man, I've got two guys from the church. What are they going to think about me? Because, man, as long as I justify it, I could justify it to them. But the minute I acknowledge that I am just a big, fat jerk, now they're going to see a part of their pastor maybe they haven't seen before, and my kids will too. But can I tell you, people gravitate toward people who are willing to confess. And then the third thing, number three, write this down, repent from it. Repentance is when you don't go, hey, my bad, and then keep doing it. And that's where we are in our culture, where we will say things, do things in relationships with people we love, but we know we're hurting them, and we'll just say, hey, my bad. And my bad has now become a free pass, like a get-out-of-jail-for-free card. And it doesn't work in authentic relationships where we are working on building communication. What we have to do is repent. What is repentance? You might want to write this down. Repentance, by definition, literally means this. Turn the other direction. Which, by the way, isn't that how our relationship with God works? Watch this. We confess we sin. God, I'm a sinner. I messed up, and I confess it. And God forgives us of our sins. 1 John 1.8 says this. And then we repent. In other words, God, help me to go the opposite direction of what I just did. I don't know who I'm talking to here today. But I know if we would just do this third step, hey, I want you to know I'm sorry. I blew it. I'm a part of the problem. But pastor, what if they don't acknowledge their 99%? Just acknowledge your 1%. Guess what? You own you, let God own what happens with them. You can't help how they act, but you can help how you react. So I've got my 1% and you're 99, and I want to tell you what I think about you, but guess what? I'm going to repent of my 1%, how we deal the way, and I'm going to ask God to help me. And can I tell you, this is also how we deal with habitual sins in our life, addictions in our life. Can I just take us there for two minutes? There are habitual things in our life that we keep running to. We're like we're drawn to those destructive things like a moth to a flame. And can I tell you, just because you give your life to Jesus does not mean that it's going to magically disappear. Maybe 5% of people, 5, 5%, 5%, Cinco, 
of people that when they give their life to Jesus, boom, the addiction's gone. Woo, that's crazy. But the other 95% of us, it's us constantly going to God saying, God, would you forgive me of this? And God's like, of course I will. I love you so much. I'm not even angry at you. Thank you for coming to me. And then you say, God, help me to turn the other direction. Help me not to fly off the handle again. Help me not to give into that thing again. Help me not to just, to, to just to go off on the tangent again. Help me not to be hurtful again. And as we begin to repent and we come to God, and we repent, but Pastor David, what if I keep blowing it? Keep going to God. Come on, somebody. Keep returning to God. Don't run from God. Don't run from that relationship. Don't quit. Keep returning. Keep returning. Keep returning. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me go the other way. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Help me to go the other way. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Help me to go the other way. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Help me to go the other way. And guess what will happen? One day, you're going to wake up, and that cycle is going to be broken. There's going to be freedom in your... Oh, come on. Anybody here that you know what it's like to walk into freedom in your life? Yeah. Come on, would you stand to your feet all across the room today? Yeah. Here's what I know. There are a lot of people in relationships right now that are walking through pain. I love the last verse of the Old Testament. It says this, and God will turn the heart of the fathers to their kids and the kids to their fathers. In other words, God cares about every relationship in your life. And you came here today, and here's what I know. There are relationships that are under tension in your life. And guess what? God wants to repair those. Even if they're 99 and you're only 1%. But let's be honest. We contribute so much more than that. And we need God's help to acknowledge that we are sinners, to acknowledge that we've broken communication. We're going to confess it. Then we're going to ask God to give us the strength to turn from it. We're going to keep that cycle until God breaks the cycle. We're going to keep returning. God, forgive me. Help me to break it. God, forgive me. Because how many know, watch this. There are many of us, those cycles have been in our life for many years. And we have believed that a person will fix us, but they won't. Because they can't. Because they brought issues into the relationship too. Next week we're going to talk about that. And man, we have a special for you next week. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today. And you say, Pastor David, man, I've got some relationships that... I know that God cares a lot about, but there's relationships that are broken in my life. There's people all across this room I know that are in relationship pain. Maybe it's a friend that is distant. You used to be friends, but man, there was an offense. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's dating. Maybe it's a father. Maybe it's a brother or a sister. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. I'm going to believe that the month of February and the first two weeks of March as we continue the series is going to be a month of miracles in our relationships. And if you need a miracle in a relationship that you have, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? If that is you, no one looking around, Pastor, would you pray? It doesn't even have to be the person that you came with today. It could be someone that is a friend that lives in another state, another country, wherever. But I just, I'm in a need of a miracle in a relationship. If that's you, no one looking around, the count of three, would you just lift your hand so I know who I'm praying for? One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So many of us, almost every person in this room. Holy Spirit, we ask you to do what only you can do. 
come on, right there where you're standing, come on. I, I want you to use your own words, just under your breath, maybe even in your heart, in your mind, to say, God, help me. Help me. Maybe you're the one who has inflicted the harm. Come on, ask God, God, help me to forgive myself. Help me have the boldness and the courage to say I'm sorry. God, touch that person right now. What if you begin to pray for that person? Maybe you're offended at them. Can I tell you one of the greatest ways that you could start forgiveness is to begin praying for that person. Oh, man. When you can begin to pray for them, that's when you know healing has begun. Some of you need to pray and you need to forgive your spouse. You need to forgive a parent who abandoned you. You need to forgive someone who hurt you. See, what God does in environments like this, man, he begins to peel back success, take real you. Oh, man, we cover the pain with so many things, success and achievements and even current relationships. But what God wants to do is get to the foundation of your heart. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would heal us, heal our hearts, heal our spirits. I pray that you would mend relationships and restore relationships in this place, that this month would be a month of miracles. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody said amen and amen. Thanks for joining us for today's 